Do you know the author? No, I don't. And I don't know the title either. But it's a blue book, and it kind of gives the whole story. You know. I think we can help you. Have you a real love of books and learning? When you have these two important qualifications, love for books and love for people, you may well consider the vocation of a librarian. Welcome to Volume 3, Number 1, Episode 25 of Adventures in Library Instruction, the monthly library instruction podcast. Hi, I'm Jason. Um, I'm the uh, communication librarian at Georgia State in Atlanta, and uh, we'll introduce our regulars and then talk about our special guest. Hi, I'm Rachel Borchard. I'm the science librarian at American University. This is Anna Vanskoik, part-time reference librarian uh, for where do I work? For a public library system in central New Jersey. All right. And we this is our class reunion episode because uh, we've got one of our favorite former co-workers from Emory University, Erin Mooney. Hey, Erin. Hey, guys. You want to just uh, introduce yourself real quick? And I've already, spoiler alert, I've already said where you work, but you want to just introduce <laughs> yourself real quick. Okay. Uh, well, I'm uh, the coordinator of uh, instruction first, really first year instruction at um, at the Woodruff Library, which is the main library at Emory. And um, I've been working here quite a while, and I've had the pleasure of working with all three of you, and I miss you a lot. Oh well, thank you. Nah. You too. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so we were really kind of the the usual suspects at Emory, at least as far as I'm concerned. You three are the people that I, I collaborated with most closely um, at Emory on uh, certainly on teaching stuff and uh, on a lot of other stuff as well. Um, so this is really cool to have the the four of us having a, a conversation. So. Um, yeah. Aaron, why don't you sort of start off uh, just kind of telling us what uh, what your role is at Emory right now and and what you do, and we'll just use that as a jumping off point for the the conversation. Okay. I mean, uh, what is what is uh, what is the coordinator of first coordinator year instruction of instruction? Um, well, I work with a group of people on the instruction and reference team. And we're responsible for a number of initiatives, most of them with the, with the freshman class. Um, new student orientation, for one. Um, instruction for freshman English classes, uh, English writing classes. And we also um, are responsible for doing tours and instruction sessions for visiting groups. So high schools come in and um, sometimes an elementary school will come in and um, some summer programs. We uh, coordinate. Uh, I coordinate, and we and we workshops. Um, Zotero, EndNote, Google Scholar, and we also do uh, outreach to undergraduates and to undergraduate programs like um, the Center for Study Abroad and things like that. So, how much of that is you actually face-to-face -face classroom time, and how much of that is you? Uh, I don't know, facilitating or coordinating or, or you know, management kind of stuff? 
Um, well, a lot of it is my is hands on. I mean, I, I was uh, compiling my annual review information for this past year since since May of last year till now, and I I had done sixty eight instruction sessions. So that seems like a lot. I don't know if it is, but it it, it seems like a lot to me. <laughs> that sounds um, like a a hell of a lot to me. I think I did okay, maybe. Yeah, right. Well, I didn't know if you know in the in the out there in the real world, you know. <laughs> That qualifies for a lot. I, I think it does here at Emory, but I'm not sure about out there. So I think I did something like 45 in the last two semesters, and that felt like a lot of teaching to me. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, just um, it, it, it's a lot, but I like it. So it's good. It's all good. Erin, I want to hear about the um, first year orientation, because it's something that we've mentioned a, a few times and. I know it went through a few iterations while the three of us were there, but I want to hear about what it's like these days. Okay, well, how much background do you want me to give on that? Because it's it's changed so much. Right. We've talked about when when I was there, we did um, we went from straight kind of presentation to a more interactive, um, as Rachel and Jason like to call it, the cephaloid method. <laughs> Cephalopod method. It was uh, very fun. Right. But then we still gave the tours while we were doing that because, uh, and did you talk about that in the previous sessions where we give three, 1,300 students, new new students tours in one day? Right. Yeah, that was huge. Oof, that was a lot of work. That yeah. Was like, yeah. That was the nobody is allowed to take vacation today, no matter who you are. <laughs> I remember that. Any yeah. other day, it was usually okay. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, we've moved from that model. Um, what, what, what was interesting was that the first year I started coordinating instruction, the college orientation office cut the library slot out of orientation altogether. And so that was really quite a blow. Um, they told me that the students had pretty consistently given negative feedback on the library tours. Oh. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not really that surprised because, I mean, here the students come in, they have four straight days of orientation, right, mm -hmm. where they're getting this just huge amounts of information dumped on them. And, and then they get this tour of the library and they don't even know what they're going to be doing in the library, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm really not surprised. I think they were probably just, I don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was not popular. Um, so... We scrambled the instruction team, and, and you know, uh, Jason was still, and Rachel was still here, scrambled to try to figure out what to offer the new students in terms of an intro to the library, and we came up with the idea of the library open house, and the problem was we had to schedule it three weeks into the semester because we couldn't fit it in the orientation schedule because they had cut us out of it, and uh, we decided to do it on a Thursday night, and um, we, what what we what we did was we had when they walked in the door they were given a map and they were told to go on a self-guided tour and stop at certain places in the library to get stickers to put on their maps and when they had finished the tour they were told to go to a certain room in the library uh sort of a big meeting presentation room the jones room where we had food and drinks and entertainment and um if they had actually gotten stickers from every location, they were able to enter a drawing for a $25 gift card. And it was a lot of fun. And I, I don't know, if, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember it. Um, 
it was that was that was one of the last uh, events that I remember doing at the library was that yeah. that uh, I mean it was huge uh, and like everybody from the library stayed through most of the evening and um, there was uh, uh, we had music and it was it was really neat um, I think we talked about it in, way way back in a an early episode of the podcast but um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, and we all had a good time. Rachel, you worked at the reference desk that night, and yes. put stickers on people, and they had to come up with their librarian name and stuff like that. Right? Oh, that's right! <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, do you remember what yours was? Oh God, Milo was... something. It was your favorite literary character from childhood, and something else, and I can't and remember your, what the last name was. Last... And what? I don't know. Your hometown? No, that can't be it. I don't know. No, well, the first street you lived on, maybe? Oh. Or, or is that your drag queen name? I can't I think that's your porn star name. But it was something, it was something Sorry, like I'm that. Um, anyway, uh, it, was, it, it was really a lot of fun. We all had a lot of fun. The students who came seemed to love it. We did a survey of them, and, of course, they got extra you know, an extra chance at a $25 gift card if they took the survey. So we had a sort of a gamification thing going on, which I know is all the, the rage now. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing was because of it being three weeks into the semester on a Thursday night, attendance was low. Um, so we felt like we needed to get back into the regular orientation schedule. So I lobbied for that over the next year. And did manage to get us back into that schedule. Um, but I had to promise no tours, <laughs> which, you know, I, I did. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, that, that difficult for me to say no to that. Um, exactly. Okay. <laughs> fun, but coordinating the tours was really not my favorite activity. Um, instead, we decided to just throw a big pizza party and forget about educating them. Um, and with the, with the idea that we're fun, we're ex- friendly, we're accessible, uh, come on down the, the library, you know, we're just good folks, we're here to help you, blah, blah, blah. And we've done the pizza party two years in a row in the library, and it's been, it's been good. Um, it, it's, it's worked out great um, with a few hiccups. Um, when you're dealing with pizza for 1,300 new students, there's going to be hiccups, you know. Like for one thing, don't ever order from just one pizza place when you're oh, when you're. I doing thought you were gonna food. name. I thought you were gonna name a, a company. I was like, well, wait, I'm we not gonna any- name names, but do not order from one pizza place. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to lose any potential sponsorships because Indeed we count. Not. On, yeah, we count on that yeah, advertising. You know, and knowing you guys, we probably are. You probably are sponsored by several pizza places. <laughs> um, but we did. So anyway, when we, so when we were doing it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, when we were uh, when we were there that that last year that I was there and that that uh, Rachel was there, we did have some kind of mini instruction sessions going on. We didn't call it that. It was like informational sessions or something like that. Because yes. I remember yeah. I was doing. Uh, I, was, I was teaching. Uh, was it Zotero? Or, no, and Libex. Well, no, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like Web 2.0 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and it was like cool research tools or something like that. And so we, we were doing those like every half an hour, and you'd show up. And we had our colleague Lloyd who was running um, trivia. <laughs> in yeah. That was really popular. And Dr. Quiz. It was. Yeah. Dr. Quiz, in fact, was so popular 
that by popular demand, I canceled some of my informational <laughs> stuff so that he could keep running trivia. Um, we were like, okay, what do you guys want? Because they were showing up for, for my sessions just so that they could get a seat for trivia. So that they, could, <laughs> they could sit through my session in order to get a seat for trivia. So... Yeah, he, by the way, he's still doing the, the doctor quiz during the pizza party. We just cool. put him over on a table on the side, and he does a little trivia thing. So Is, it's is, it, going. is it library-themed at all, or is it just sort of fun trivia? Oh, it's just fun trivia. I, did you like my contrast there? Is it library-themed, or is it fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason, what's with that? Course, it can be both. Of course, right? we, think, we think it can be both. I'm not sure the average uh, first-year student agrees. But but I think Aaron brings up a good point that I, you want at that point, you just want them to know that you can come there for help. I mean, that's the right. first and foremost. And I can totally see why you would check out, we have nine libraries and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. And I, three million volumes and right. you know, blah, blah, blah. Electrical, use electron, electrical, electronic stuff. You know, we have lots of electronic <laughs> stuff. Um, so, so I was yeah. surprised the year that we did uh, the tours or the, the not tours, you know, the, the first year we, we tried something different that there did seem to be feedback that said we wish we had learned more. Uh, yeah. from each service desk like they wanted to hear more about what the desks actually had to offer because we were trying to cut that down so that they wouldn't yeah. have to like stand there for 15 minutes listening to us lecture just to get a freaking sticker yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> does not sound awful you know i would have been like no screw this it's not <laughs> worth it um but i guess this may be a two a question you can't answer but have you noticed a difference in perception among first years in the library or like how familiar they are with things in the library, positive or negative? Um, Sorry, I know that's tough. You mean, you mean when I'm teaching the uh, freshman English classes, do, yeah, or like do they seem to exhibit more or less knowledge about the library? Or like just seem more excited to interact with people in the library? Do they come to the reference desk more often? You know, that kind of, has it changed? Anything um, <laughs> in a measurable way? Not that I, not that I, not that I know. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think they're any more enlightened when I go into the English classes, but then they weren't, you know, when we did the tours. Right. That's how I felt too. Yeah. yeah. That no matter so, what you I, tell I, them. They weren't absorbing anything, you know? Yeah. 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 So I guess that's kind of a good thing, you know, that it's a lot less work for you guys. And presumably, they enjoy the pizza. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, they love the pizza. They love it. This past year, well, I guess it was, yeah, fall of 10, um, you know, one order of the pizza arrived like an hour late, which mm. <laughs> you don't order from one place, right? But when it arrived, I ran down the stairs because we had it all on the first floor of the library. And I ran down, and I said, the pizza's here. And they all, this huge crying you know went up yeah so it was it was really kind of fun uh, that they were so excited about that so and what was attendance like in the past couple oh, of years this year this year 1300 i mean that <gasps> came oh my god all the first year of the pizza party they didn't all make it but about 900 did um but but this year all of them came yeah because there was nothing else scheduled we didn't know that mm. <laughs> but fortunately, we had enough pizza. So, wow, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. I mean, it, it's it's always fun, and and um, 
I think it's a good thing. Is that? And, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say at American, we're talking about um, we don't do anything to orient our first years. So we're talking about doing something like we had done two years ago. But Oh, that would be great. I don't well, know. Well, the other thing we do, by the way, we do uh, create content for the college. The college has a Blackboard site for incoming freshmen mm-hmm. uh, because they want to give them a lot of information before they get here. And this is when the students are most receptive before they step foot on <laughs> campus. They're yeah. willing to listen to information about you know, the place. Mm-hmm. And so we create, we, the first few years we were just doing like top 10 things to know about the library. And then we went visual with, we made a bunch of short movies about yeah. different aspects of the library. And we want to uh, talk about the videos as well. Yeah. I think those, those have been a uh, very, very positive and successful and people comment on those. Now I have heard comments on those when I'm working at the orientation fair, which is another thing we do for incoming freshmen, we go over to the orientation fair and we say, hi, we're the library, come see us, you know, here's a, you know. A right, stick. and that's that's when you have representation from like all these different student groups and, and different academic departments and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, but we've heard things about the videos um, from the students. Oh, we love the videos. Oh, that see, video was really neat. fun. That's very, very neat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And actually, one parent said to me, we were watching those videos over and over and just cracking up. <laughs> that was kind of nice. The, well, parent probably, the parent was probably forcing the, the child <laughs> to do it, but what the hell? For those of us who have not seen the videos, and can we can we link to them in the show notes, or are they behind the Blackboard login? No, they're actually on a LibGuide now. We put okay. them on a LibGuide. However, let me say this. We're going to redo them in May because they're out of date. Um you know, we, we redid them. Uh, let's see, we did the first year we did them. Um, then we had, we redid most of them last year. And then now we have to redo them again because they just go out of date very quickly. You know, especially since last year we didn't have our merged reference and, and circulation desk. We just had this table sitting there during the video. And now we have a, a, a little bit of <laughs> An artist's rendering of what it might look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks a little different now. So. Reenactment. You had reenactment at the bottom. It's like a, a lemonade stand. You had a card table with like a, a hand-lettered sign in kids' handwriting. The so, dog is in. It, it, was, it was almost that fancy, Jason. <laughs> um, but but our videos were, we had you know, we had five of them. One of them is where to get help in the library, which focused on, uh, you know, primarily, well, at the, at the time, it was two separate desks. Um, so had, you know, what kind of help you get at the circulation desk? What kind of help you get at the reference desk? What kind of help you get in the music and media library, et cetera? <clears throat> Another video on study space options, hmm. which uh, was the most watched video. Um, yeah, that's a really cool idea. That one needs to be uh, redone uh, pretty badly. And then, uh, the types of resources we have, you know, um, we have media, we have books, we have electronic journals, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, I I don't mean to be saying it like that, but you know what I mean? Oh, I know. Well, it's it's a lot of stuff. (laughs) And then computing at the library. So we had a video on that too. And, um, uh, so anyway, they've, they've been, um, 
I think pretty well received. And especially since we redid the ones last year, we had a, a student who is working part-time in the library and part-time at the writing center. And she redid four of the videos for us uh, or three or four, I don't know how many, but last year and just made them really hilarious and funny. And, um, and Lloyd, Dr. Quiz showed up in them, but not as Dr. Quiz. Um, <laughs> As a mysterious man with a raven on his shoulder who just sort of did a thing. That's my favorite and, part. He never gets explained. It's just this random guy. No, yeah. it would it would ruin it if you explain him. It's like the force in Star Wars. If you explain yeah. it, it, it stops being cool. So <laughs> first year students probably think he's Dooley or whatever. I mean oh, <laughs> that's true. You know, I didn't I never thought about that. Um, and we sh- we should explain what that means for for the the few <laughs> listeners we have who have never worked at Emory University. Dooley is the <laughs> the semi-official um, mascot who is a skeleton in a top hat and he appears actually he appears in more Emory um, propaganda than the the official mascot is like an eagle or something, right? Yeah. Who's, yeah. He's yes. the eagle is mostly athletics. And Dooley is more student activities. Yeah, yeah. I'm friends with Dooley on Facebook. <gasps> Dooley's on wow. Facebook? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. you guys, he's been on Facebook since that. like 2005. Oh, man, we are so out of touch. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that, and I work here. <laughs> I even have a Dooley t-shirt, and I didn't know that. So. Well, clearly, we need to link to Dooley in our show notes. Oh, so I've just, I just made a note of. to do that. So if you want to friend <laughs> Dooley the Skeleton on Facebook, we'll have a link in the show notes for you to do that. Okay, so we've talked about the videos. You met, one of the things you mentioned that we wanted to talk about was merging the service points because a lot of people who do instruction are also doing are also reference librarians, obviously. And this is, a, I, I've never worked in a library that had these merged service points, but you've got the reference desk and the circulation desk are just one desk now, right? Right. We merged in August. You know, prime best time to do it, right? Right when school. Right. Yeah, really great time. Anyway, <laughs> nothing's going on. No, and, and we merged in, and we have this uh, this team now called the Library Service Desk Team. The uh, we like to call it the LSD team. I'm on that one, fortunately. Um, but uh, so it's it's some people who were on the CERC team and some who were on the reference team working together, trying to figure out, um, you know cross training or what does everybody need to know uh what and and at first that they had i think a very uh highfalutin notion that everybody was going to learn everything and i mean you just can't you can't do that well okay let me back up maybe you should erase this part jason um (laughs) i i I think that's a really difficult that's a challenge because there there's there's so many things to know, you know, just working in reference, as you all know, there's so much to know. Um, and then you add on all the CERC duties on top of that. And, and then, of course, all the learning commons issues, i.e. the computers at the lot in the library, because that desk also supports that. And I think they finally, when we, when, when we hired a, a leader for the, the merge service desk, we finally realized that that maybe was overambitious and what we need to do instead is, you know, have people who specialize in things and then they know a few sort of general things. Like, for example, I, I can, you know, check out and check in books and deal with some of the basic circulation things, but I don't need to know all the ins and outs of the circulation desk. 
um, the circulation staff doesn't necessarily need to know all the ins and outs of anthropology research, right? Or not that I know that either, but you know what I mean? They don't need to they don't need to have the depth of, that a reference librarian has, but they can be familiar with, here are the research guides. Here are some, you know, try the databases, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me than having everybody cross-trained in everything. I mean, it's good if if most people can handle the basic questions in any area, but, you know, it, we have such a culture in academic libraries, especially this sort of culture of specialization, that that would be a real huge adjustment if, you know, if everybody is doing everything, unless it's a very small library where I know, you know, people do, but um, I can't imagine, like, in a library the size of ours having to work you know, having to be able to manage reference queries and circulation questions and, you know, God knows what else comes up. Yeah, it, it was very stressful. My blood pressure definitely dropped when they decided to drop that idea. You know, it, it was good. Um, but it, it, I just, I would get nervous every time I had to do a circulation transaction thinking, oh, they're going to think I don't know, but I should know. And it, it, it was ridiculous. And but now I'm much more relaxed about it. If it, if something comes up, I'll just say, well, you know, let me go ask blah, blah, blah. You know, who who knows a lot more about that issue than I do. And so it, I'm just more comfortable doing that now that I know I, I can. <laughs> so does that get taken into account in scheduling? desk scheduling as well? Or I mean, yeah, like, do they still we're, we're still definitely scheduling separate sort of separately. Right. The, the CERC's functions are all. Um, scheduled by the CERC people, the people mm -hmm. who are still traditionally CERC people, and the reference uh, desk is still uh, fun uh, staffed or scheduled by a reference librarian. So yeah, that's that has not merged yet. I was going to say, hopefully I don't drop out while I'm talking, but where I am right now, we have, it's funny because even in the public libraries, you have the two desks, you have circulation and you have reference. And I, the branch I'm in is, not real big and so I can see the circulation desk all the time and I actually work circulation um, just like with every other library people we're cutting back and people are doing more with less and so I get to work circulation uh, one night a week and to be honest if anything I think it's helped me learn my system better I, I, I feel like I understand the workflows which I know that's a taboo word these days but I understand kind of more what's happening within the library I feel like I, I understand the cross-training has been helpful. It's a benefit. I feel like I, I understand more the synergy of the entire operation, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Anna. Um, I, I definitely feel that what I've learned about circulation has has enriched, you know, my perspective on things, but I still don't feel like I need to know it all, and, and I feel like I would be doing a very... Um, half-assed job doing doing it if I if I would try to try to learn it all do you guys always sorry have um, someone from circulation and someone from reference like yes all the hours so did the reference hours get expanded or circulation no. hours shorten no no I'm sorry <laughs> uh, let me let me re re rephrase that no <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, have the, we have the reference people doing the reference, the usual reference hours, and the circ people doing the usual circ hours, and sometimes there's overlap. So, okay. yeah. One of my big questions is always: I've always been interested in not even cross training, but one-dimensional training from reference to circ yeah. to get those off-hour questions. Yeah. Do you, do you have any sense of how that is it going better? 
than it. Yeah, well, definitely the uh, the the CERC supervisors who are mostly graduate students have been trained mm-hmm. um, in you know some reference um, areas, and um, I think that that that's really going. I think that's going really well. So yeah, and the and the students have a just a gen they get a general sort of overview too. So yeah, I think that's a really good thing. Any words of advice for those libraries who are thinking about it but haven't combined desks? You know, again, I I, I, I wasn't involved in all of the day to day planning and all of that. I I was only you know peripherally involved and. So I don't feel like I'm the person to, to talk to about that. I'm, I'm afraid I can't answer that question. All right. I strike it from the record. <laughs> so, um, Aaron, your, your background, uh, you've got a, a master's in English, right? Correct. And you used to actually teach English. Yes. So how has that affected you, to bring it back around to, to instruction again, um, how has that um informed your um, your approach on uh, to, to teaching in libraries or has it do you think and, and I know that you've maybe been teaching in libraries longer than you taught English is that right I know for a long time about, about the same really yeah. now um, well I think you know I think for, apart from the physical act of teaching and the desire to have students learn something um, I would say the experiences are really very different um, you know, most of the library instruction I do is one shots mm-hmm. and adjusting to that after teaching semester long classes was really a challenge. And, you know, back when I, when I first started learning library instruction, the model was you teach them everything they need to know about the library for all time in 50 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, What's funny about that is when I was teaching, for example, introductory literature classes, I never felt like I needed to teach them all of drama or all of poetry (laughs) (laughs) in in, in one semester, right? But I just absorbed that, oh, they need everything they need to know about the library in 50 minutes. Um, So I always felt very rushed and overwhelmed and and quite dubious about what I was accomplishing and, uh, and what they were learning. And then, of course, you know, as time went on, I learned that you don't need to teach them everything about the library. Right? You only need to focus on a few things. Ta-da! That really helped a lot. <laughs> that helped me calm down a lot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, so I, the experiences are very different. And when you have, you know, grading power over student, and I hate to put it in those terms, but um, it makes a really, it makes a big difference. They really pay attention. I mean, as much as they care about the class. <laughs> well, they care about getting a grade, whereas... They care about you know, getting an A, yes, yes. So they will work for that, most of them. So anyway, it's just very different. So do you think it's harder to keep their attention as a librarian than it was as a teacher? Well, I think it's... Um, well... I think it was. <laughs> I don't. I think I'm better at it now um, because I don't try to teach them everything about the library in 50 minutes. Um, so, uh, so I think it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I always try to do new things and, and experiment with stuff to to try to keep their attention. I mean, I think the amount of attention they pay depends on the setup from the teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So, if they have an assignment A, if they are near to the time when the assignment is due. Um, 
there, there are a lot of factors in what, how involved they get, as you all know, being instructors. So, <laughs> Aaron, when you were getting, when you were doing your masters in uh, English, and before you became a teacher, did you have a pedagogy? Did you take pedagogy courses? I did. Uh, when I was, uh, yes, in in the master's program, I took one, and uh, at the same time that I was taking it. I was teaching an English composition course because they make you do that and then take the pedagogy class. And what, what's interesting about that is um, I would come into the class. It was a once a week class um, after teaching and realize I had just done everything completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very disheartening. Uh, so, so my final paper was basically a, a rant of, against the system and I got an A on it, but um <laughs> it was saying, you know, we should have this before we step into the classroom. It's ridiculous to go in there and do everything wrong and then find out about it later and, and just feel like you've not accomplished anything. So um, it, was a, it was a baptism of fire for sure. In the same vein, when you go to immersion, um, people have already been doing an instruction in the libraries for you know four or five years or whatever. So then you go and you realize all these things that you've been doing wrong. And I just think that when you went to when you went to immersion, I'd, lo I'd love to know like what were some of the things that you picked up from there, and what what have you incorporated from that still to this day? Um, focusing on you know two or three at most learning objectives, learning outcomes, having learning outcomes. A. <laughs> B. Only having a couple or three. Um, that was that was really important and really enlightening to me. Um, changing things up, trying new things, seeing what other people do, um, um, you know, kind of experimenting with your instruction. Um, and then of course, also the biggie, which is trying to assess something. Um, yeah. that is, you know, uh, I actually went to immersion assessment as well, uh, a couple of years ago. So I've been dunked twice. <laughs> um, and, uh, it was about assessing both instruction sessions and four credit classes and program assessment if your oh, nice. institution happens to have a coherent information literacy program. Um, and it would be really valuable for those of you who, who do have that at your institutions. Um, we don't have that here at Emory. So that part of it, um, you know, you can get some you you can get some things out of it, but it's not going, you know, if you don't have that program to assess, then there's only so much you can get out of it, but it's definitely helpful for instruction. And um, I think assessment is the biggest challenge um, for instruction, for me anyway, for just personally, but also, um, you know, it's a demand from the upper administration. Mm -hmm. uh, can, can you prove that they're learning something? Can you prove mm -hmm. what you're doing is useful? And relevant, and um, so you know, having that assessment piece is, is is really critical. Right. I know when I was there, one of the big things that we were trying to grapple with was uh, the impact, specifically, of instruction on like questions at the reference desk, and it, you know, how how do we prove it? Did you guys ever figure that out? No. I, okay. <laughs> I'm still, still totally still grappling. We're yeah. Grappling. In fact, I'm wondering if grappling isn't some lifelong, you know, experience <laughs> in many ways, not just, you know, not just working here at the library, but, you know, in other things. Um, no, I feel like we haven't, we haven't really nailed it. No. Have you, I mean, have any of you guys? Heck no. We don't oh. do assessment of instruction. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Well, okay, let's put it this way. We don't do it, pro, you know, persistently and programmatically either. I mean, I do it for my own classes. And I ask that people who do the other English 101, 1A1 writing classes also do it. But a lot of times it gets dropped by the wayside. Well, yeah. we're, we're so limited on, on how much time we have with the class that exactly. you know, if if something's got to go, you know, for time, mm-hmm. then then a lot of the time it's it's that assessment piece. It's you know I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna answer another student question or or three rather than give them a survey or or, or what you know or whatever. And I you know I kind of hate that, but it's it's sort of a practical decision that end up ends up getting made a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the only times I've been able to make it work is at the beginning of the class that I've told myself, you know, I'm going to cut myself short if I have to, but I'm not going to make them stay over to answer a survey. So sometimes I won't get to cover something I meant to cover, but darn it, I'm getting that survey in. And I think since then, I've kind of let that drop. And I'm like, oh, I'll get to the survey if ever. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing, uh, one, one little assessment trick I learned from Anna Van. Uh, was simply having them email you a scholarly article they found. If that's one of your learning outcomes, you know, being able to identify a scholarly article relevant to the topic, then you can have them email you one and then you can, you know, do a, do a kind of assessment like that. So that's kind of quick and dirty assessment. And uh, I mean, I often, sometimes I just resort to that, you know, Mm-hmm. I think um, I've always tried the survey I've, we did. I mean, we that was pretty much mandated when I was there that we did the survey. But I remember always trying to, if I want to measure my learning objective, I always had it incorporated into whatever active learning yes. thing I had going on in the classroom. Like there was one where I wanted to make sure they understood creating a search strategy because maybe it was some funky database. I would collect their sheets um, afterwards where yeah. they had maybe been brainstorming together and I would look at their search strategies that they had put down mm-hmm. and I would go through and assess it that way. Mm-hmm. So just whatever, whatever my active learning was in the classroom, I would try and collect it somehow. Yeah. So and then, makes, you have, then, then you're not doing that. Then you're not taking away from your class. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense though, is, is build into the activities some right. kind of evidence that you can, collect afterwards um we are you know we use libguides as as um probably a lot of people are at this point and um i've just been talking to the springshare sales rep about their um, campus guides which is basically kind of an upgrade to libguides and it's got a lot more survey kind of tools and and questionnaire kind of tools built into it it's not exactly a quiz tool but um it's certainly like a survey tool, and I think the impression that I have is that people are interested in getting them to make it more quiz-like with, you know, where you can designate a right and wrong answer and not have to go through and grade by hand and that sort of thing. But I'm thinking that, that some kind of a survey tool that was built into an exercise could, you know, could just gather the, the data for you automatically if you can build that into a an exercise. I mean, it's harder to do with like the brainstorming sheet with, you know, brainstorm your keywords here and stuff like that. But if you can build that kind of thing into like online activities, it seems like that would make a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, building it actually, as I'm talking through this, building a, 
a classroom activity like that into a research guide that you want them to use after class, that'll at least guarantee that they have spent some time looking at the guide page and maybe they'll come back to it again. I don't know if that would encourage them to go back to it or, or encourage them to stay away from it because they remember it has quizzes on it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but also at Emory, we had the, that fabulous software that you could do, like the polling and the quizzes, like while you were teaching. It would Dude, what push, was that? What was that? Syn- I think it was Synchronize, E-Y-E-S. I loved that. I, I gotta, loved it. I got to right. be honest. I wasn't a fan. I found it awkward to use. Yeah. It was it was not the most user friendly, but again, you could do quick surveys on okay, is this a popular or a scholarly journal, and you could find out do they really get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can do that on the on the on LibGuides with their little polling um, modules and stuff like that. No, see, too. I'm a LibGuides version. I've never never used it. Virgin. Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, you can do that. You can build in those little quizzes and libguides, and and to me, the advantage of that over synchronize um, is that you it forces them to go to the research guide and and actually you know interact with it. So right, yeah. uh, they go there and they use it and they see it. So it's all it's all good. Erin, how much time do you spend um, telling them about their libguide? Do you guys still create libguides for individual classes? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you teach like to that libguide, or is it just kind of like a oh, and by the way, here's this thing that you can use if you have no, questions. I go back and forth on that. Um, it just depends on how I'm feeling that day and uh, and what the learning ab- outcomes are. And you know, I, I I I do both, but I also want them to get to look at the library website because it's confusing and they need to be able to manipulate that a little bit. So. Um, so I, I go back and forth, uh, you know, and I do go to the research guide at, at some point in the class, but, um, sometimes I, but I never go directly to it and teach from that. I always start on the library homepage and, and eventually work my way to the research guide. I find teaching from the research guide really useful most of the time. Um, Almost every class that I'm doing these days is geared toward a particular assignment where they need a particular subset of resources. And I find that, for me anyways, just sort of a natural way to show them what I'm going to show them. I mean, I can't possibly teach them everything that's on the guide, but I can say, you know, look, I want to sh- these are the, the three databases that I want to talk about tonight, and we'll do a hands-on activity with one of them. And, and I kind of, I often break down my guides sort of by the different parts of the assignments. And so teaching mm-hmm. from that is, is just sort of, feels sort of natural for me most of the time. And I've gone the complete opposite way. I, um, I've only created one course-specific guide this year, and that was on request well after the instruction session. But um, my thought has been that if I'm teaching them the guide, I'm only teaching them that class. Or if I teach them the website, hopefully next time. And I think this also kind of teaches to or talks to how often I get to see the students, which isn't that often. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's my job to like teach them how to do research in the library for all time if I never see you again. Everything they uh, need to know in 50 minutes. Right. <laughs> right. I know. But so I always do the databases by subject and, you know, I, I've started telling them my trick of like usually the best um, database for that subject has the name of the subject in it and, you know, using the try these first and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with Aaron. I keep going back and forth about what's better. I can't decide. Well, and you, you know, it's not like you have to decide, uh, you know, for, right. for all time. Uh, it's yeah. going to work better with different audiences and different classes and different assignments. It's going to work different ways. So I do have a comment about teaching from the website versus the LibGuide, which I've never had a LibGuide. But I used to do course guides. I can't even think of can't even count the number of course guides that I did while I was well, at Emory. You know, LibGuide has kind of become the generic term like Kleenex or Xerox. So, I mean, we, yeah. we're okay. not necessarily just talking about LibGuides. But. Yeah. But I always taught from the website. Always, because I would want them to learn how to get from that beginning point to wherever they needed to go. So I would hope that that would transfer to other courses. So yeah. I'm doing it wrong is what everyone is no. saying. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't say that. You just, everyone is implying it. I'm sorry, everyone's implying. No. No, I do. I, I Seriously, I, I do follow that logic. And, and maybe it's something I need to think about. Maybe it's just easier for me to say, here's everything I want to show them and then just give it to them all on one page. Yeah, but I, I agree with the logic. They, they do need to be able to start at the library website and, and, you know, and get to the, the final point of what they need. Yes, often library websites are not that um, understandable to students. Well, the very subjective impression I have from our students is that they know how to go to our website. We've got a big search box like a lot of libraries do. We've got a big federated search box on our website. And it, there's a button that says catalog and there's a button that says articles. And they know how to start there and go to the articles tab and type in search terms and use our federated search, which I have lots of opinions about that. But um, I, I sort of feel like they, they know how to get to the search tools from the library homepage. And I want to show them sort of a more specialized subset in most of the classes. But yeah. I don't know. This is, again, no assessment has taken place. And I think that definitely makes sense for more of the uh, higher level classes where they need more of the specialized resources and it's just yeah. not something that you'd necessarily know about even if you are familiar with the basic you know databases and finding stuff on the the website so i think in my ideal world i would like to as their you know first second years um show them the website get them comfortable with picking it out of some of the other more specialized stuff that they probably haven't encountered yet and put that in a libguide did y'all do usability studies with, because I really like Georgia State's um, website. I, I was very intuitive. Well, thank you very much, Anna, because I spent a year of my life on the uh, web redesign committee. Uh, and yeah, we did a lot of, we did usability studies. We did, um, our campus IT department actually helped us um, doing some card sort exercises. And we looked at peer institutions and we did a ton of assessment and focus groups. We have an assessment librarian here, assessment and training librarian, who ran some focus Move groups. Shakers, Sarah Steiner. No, Didn't no, we have her on an episode. Oh, no, this is <laughs> actually uh, Sarah's title is now just social worker librarian, but uh, social oh, well, work librarian, there you go. excuse me. Um, assessment is, is not part of her um, title anymore, but um, yeah, we, that Jennifer, no, that's okay. Jennifer Jones is our um, assessment and training librarian, and uh, and she ran our focus groups and. We had uh, the library uh, webmaster, web services librarian, 
uh, on the group and a couple of us subject librarians and um, our creative manager, Christian, who has been on the show before. And um, yeah, so we did a lot of assessment and, and stuff. Well, to, to get our that's, probably, that's probably why yours is, you know, clearer than a lot of library websites. I but, hope yeah, it is. I mean, we maybe have... I'm just biased because I look at ours all the time. So, you know, maybe I, I don't know, but well, you know. and, and I see lots of problems with ours too, because I look at it every day and God, I wish yeah. this thing was over here instead of over there. But by and large, I, I, I think it's a pretty good site. The problem with every library website on the planet is too much information in a limited space, you know, and yeah. that's, that problem's never going to go away, right? So. Right. It really is comparable to herding cats, I think, or nailing jello to a wall. It's just with, with libraries' websites, you have so many different stakeholders, alums, researchers, students right. of different caliber, or, you know, different um, uh, levels of research interest that it's like nailing jello to a wall, trying to get all that information on there in an aesthetic, useful way. Right. True enough. And everybody's got their favorite tools in their favorite places. Exactly. And if you move it, it panics them, myself exactly. included, of course. And then there's all the other functions of a library, like the archives and the media. And the, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they all want to be on the front page. because so why shouldn't they be? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, on that cheerful note, uh, <laughs> shall, we, shall we wrap up? Sure. Okay. Aaron, thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time out to talk with us this afternoon. We've, uh, we've really enjoyed, uh, sitting down and having a chat with you. It's just like old times. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And I really enjoy talking with you guys. And, I appreciate uh, it. let me, let me just say, Aaron, you were one of the people when I was first starting in library instruction, you were one of the people that I worked with most closely and I really learned everything I knew, uh, certainly when I was starting out from you. So, um, it's, it's been especially cool having you on the podcast and I hope you'll uh, come back. Well, thanks Jason. I appreciate that. And yes, I'd, I'd love to come back. It was fun. You guys uh, are a blast, you know, and I miss you so much. Uh, we miss you too. We <laughs> miss you. Too. All right. Well, this has been episode 25. It's, uh, just barely still April, 2011, and, uh, we'll be back with you in about a month. Thanks for listening. Adventures in Library Instruction is produced by Rachel Borcher, Jason Puckett, and Anna Van Skoik. It's released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. To subscribe, go to our website at adlibinstruction.blogspot.com. Leave comments and suggestions on the blog or email us at adlibinstruction at gmail.com. Our opening theme song is Dropping Out of School by Brad Sucks, and our closing theme is Higher Education by the Napoleon Bonapartes. Both are available at magnatune.com. Contact the library schools and the American Library Association. They are able to give you valuable advice.